the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specializations. And as I've shared with you in the past, I have three law degrees. In addition to my JD, I'm a master of both the laws of, of taxation laws and the laws of intellectual property laws. And because of my training, my experiences, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and wealth creation and wealth preservation and wealth transfer and the roles that these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. However, I also practice its first cousins, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and there's sometimes wayward offspring taxation law. And I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I sometimes have the opportunity to seek out and at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the targets of the, some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you can imagine that's running rampant in our economy today, in our society today, as more and more evil, I think, is rising to the surface. So I'm coming to you again today to discuss some of the financial and legal issues that confront individuals, families, and small business owners. However, once again, I must ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, and hopefully provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help, especially if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances. And I do this because, as I'm known for saying, because I firmly believe this, I think that if you represent yourself in any legal matter, but especially one that concerning your finances and your assets, I think that's just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. And I say that all the time, but I mean it. If you take a butter knife to a gunfight and you're lucky and your adversary is napping, and believe you me, she will not be napping. But even if she is, and you you can sneak up on her and you can get real close, you might be able to scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye with your butter knife. 
but believe you me, because she's going to be packing with the latest procedural and substantive legal precedents concerning your legal issues, more than likely you're the one who's going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, your valid claims against her client or your righteous defenses that will keep you, that will shield you from the actions against her client, they're going to see the promised land way before you do. So once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it. It's to discuss the law related to your money or the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your businesses and or your employees financial health wealth and money related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form now because I've heard from some of you out there in radio land wanting more information Today, we'll continue last week's discussion of a recent decision handed down by the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. And the Second Circuit Court of Appeals is located in New York City in Manhattan, and it is the appellate jurisdiction for the district courts located in Connecticut, New York State, and Vermont. And the matter was... Hamanian, and I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing the name right, versus Sally May Nay Navient, case number 20-1981-BK. Now, it has opened up, that decision has opened up ever so slightly a fissure in the bankruptcy code that might allow more debtors to slip through the crack and possibly discharge some or all of their student loan debt if that debt was financed and or underwritten by a private lending institution and not a unit of state or federal government. Okay? Now, as I shared with you last week, student loan debt in America today is huge. The related debt burden impacts most Americans and our families. Not only do we have more and more students needing to take out loans to underwrite their education? Something that previous generations didn't have to do so, especially the returning veterans from World War One, Two, and the Korean War. The government paid for their education for the most part, unless they were black or brown. So more and more today, the burden falls on the student. And unfortunately, more and more today, it falls on the students' parents and even their grandparents who have taken out parent loans to help their children and grandchildren fund their educations. So now, many seniors are dealing with the debt. At the same time, they're faced with funding their own retirements with limited income. As such, the burden of having to repay these loans from our individual or family incomes that may, on the first instance, be insufficient to even cover the bare-bone monthly living expenses we all must bear, such as keeping a roof over our head and food on the table for ourselves and our dependents, we might just find that situation untenable. This has been an ongoing problem even before the current pandemic that we all face. Because, as I shared with you last time, according to the most recent data compiled by the U.S. Federal Reserve, and particularly the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, 
as of March of this year, March 2021, Americans hold a total of 1.71 trillion with a T dollars in total student loan debt. And 44.7 million with an M Americans are saddled with the student loan debt. And although defaults were halted as part of the pandemic relief measures prior to the pandemic, 11.1 of student loans were at least 90 days delinquent, if not already in default. And although monthly student loan payments were halted as part of the pandemic relief measures prior to the repayment moratorium, the average monthly payment amount that these debt holders had was $300 a month. $300 a month is sometimes more than what people budget to feed their kids. So let me say that another way. That $300 a month is might be holding up a family from having the ability to put food on the table. In fact, I did the math. That means that if all 44.7 million were paying $300 to their loan servicer each month, that would be $13.4 billion with a B being sucked out of our economy each and every month to pay for educational service that are, I got to tell you, in most part, producing, not producing the kind of knowledge-based workers that our society needs, such as those trained in STEM, and can actually do something in STEM. And we sorely need that kind of educated workforce to move our country forward. As we deal with climate change and, and the inability to produce the technology that we need to run our country and protect us from having people hack us, because we can't home grow our own people based uh, who have knowledge about STEM, that's, that's ridiculous in my opinion. So, calm down. Historically, even if an individual or family unit was drowning in student loan debt such that their financial viability was no longer feasible, they needed to seek out the protection of the United States Bankruptcy Court to discharge some or all of their debt. And while that might be the case generally for debt, the court might have been able to help them discharge most of their debt, if not all of their debt, their consumer debt, like their credit card debt, or their personal loan, the current version of the bankruptcy code and case law up until recently made it almost impossible to shed student loan debt. However, in the July 15, 2021 ruling by the United States Courts of Appeal for the Second Circuit in the matter of Homidia versus Sally May Incorporated at L, siding with the debtor claimant appellee, Halel Hamodian, who had borrowed student loan debt from creditor defendant appellant Sally May, aka Student Loan Marketing Association, which was originally formed by Congress in 1973 as a government sponsored uh, enterprise whose sole purpose was to assist American students in gaining access to a quality education with private funds backed by the United States government. However, after lobbying by the financial services industry, Congress 
privatized Sally Mae in 2004. And it became a publicly traded uh, company that divided itself into Navient, a servicing company, and Sally Mae Bank. And they're traded publicly on the stock exchange. So that's who uh, Mr. Hamodian sued after they came after him, after he got his discharge to have the court tell him whether or not he had... Uh, uh, he, he, he must pay the student loan debt or whether it was already discharged. And Sally May and Navient wanted the case dismissed because they thought that the student loan debt was uh, protected under the bankruptcy code and he must pay it. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion of the potential dischargeability of student loan debt in the bankruptcy court. But first, we're going to take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we use the July 15, 2021 decision in Hamadian, I'm sorry, Mr. or Mr. Hamad, I keep saying your name wrong, but um, uh, Hamadian versus Sally May slash Navient as the basis to discuss today's topic, a slight fissure in the student loan non-dischargeability wall in the debtor's favor that may work to allow more student loan borrowers to be able to discharge some or all of their debt that is or was been underwritten by private financial institutions as opposed to that part of the debt that had been underwritten or guaranteed by a state or federal government unit. This is really great news. Uh, because heretofore, the only way to even see if the debt was dischargeable was to have the debtor run the gauntlet in a lawsuit inside the bankruptcy case uh, and, and see if either the Bruner-based undue hardship test or a hardship that could be derived by showing a court the totality of the debtor's circumstances they were the only way for a debtor to get out of jail free uh, from their student loan debt if they went the bankruptcy route, which, you know, either pay the student loan debt or see if you can get rid of it in bankruptcy. And because the public has been so chastened by the thought of having to run those two gauntlets, many people who might have otherwise been eligible to have some relief don't even try. So what I'm hoping is, in the wake of this new decision, more and more people will at least consult with counsel to see if there's a probability or a possibility of dealing with their student loan debt. So here are the facts of the case. The debtor, plaintiff, appellee, meaning that the other side lost and they came after uh, the debtor through the Court of Appeals to see if they could get the Court of Appeals to overturn the bankruptcy court's decision. So, Mr. Hamodian had borrowed two of what were described as tuition answer loans that totaled $12,565 from the creditor, defendant in the bankruptcy case, appellant in the Court of Appeals, Sally May, Slash Navient, who I told you on the other side of the break, Sally May was a government-sponsored institution 
that meant that it was a, a quasi-governmental entity that was put in place to help people get student loans. It and its owners lobbied Congress to free it up from being under the jurisdiction of the government. So it's a publicly traded company. It's split into two entities, Sally Mae Bank and Navient that does student loans for millions of student loans. So the debtor went, borrowed this money to attend Emerson College in Boston. In the legal proceedings, that is to say, in both the bankruptcy court uh, adversary proceeding, the debtor said that the student loans were not used to pay uh, his cost of attending Emerson College in Boston, and the money went directly into his bank account. Then, after graduating, the debtor filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy to discharge his debt. The bankruptcy court granted a standard discharge, and because it was standard and nobody sued to see if the debt was uh, dischargeable or not, it was unclear because the court didn't speak to whether uh, the discharge covered the private student loan debt that the debtor incurred. So after the bankruptcy court was closed, Navient, the lender, uh, proceeded with its collection efforts because in bankruptcy, after you get your discharge, any debt that's not discharged, the creditor can come after you for it. Okay, so uh, because of the lack of clarity as to whether the loan was discharged in his underlying case, Navient was able to convince the debtor to pay off the debt under a mistaken belief that his student loans were not discharged, were not included in his discharge. However, after paying off these private loan debts in full, the debtor reopened his bankruptcy case to open up an adversarial proceeding to argue his view that his private student loans had mistakenly been paid because uh, Navient came after him. And actually, according to the debtor, it was the debt was discharged in his underlying bankruptcy case. So the bankruptcy court agreed with, with Mr. Hamadian. And so then because they lost, Navient appealed to the Second Circuit. Ultimately, the Second Circuit also agreed with the debtor's position. In making its ruling, the court tracked and analyzed what it called, or what I call, the three flavors of student loans that cannot be discharged under the current iteration of the applicable section of the Bankruptcy Code, and that is to say Section 523A8A, which identifies the kinds of loans that cannot be discharged. Flavor one is an educational benefit, uh, overpayment, or loan insured, guaranteed, or whatever by a governmental unit or made under any program funded in whole or part by a governmental unit or a nonprofit institution. The second flavor of debt, student loan debt, that cannot be discharged is an obligation to repay funds received for an educational benefit, scholarship, or stipend, where the court found that the educational benefit referred to in this flavor referred to conditional grant payments similar to those that are scholarship stipends. And for example, if you go into the uh, uh, ROTC and you get a student uh, scholarship, and then there's some requirement that you uh, 
um, uh, go into the service for some number of years and say, for example, you don't do that, then that is a scholarship that becomes payable. So that's the second flavor that's non-dischargeable. And the third flavor is any other educational loan that is a qualified educational loan under Section 221D1 of the Internal Revenue Code of 1986, and that's incurred by a debtor who is an individual. Now, to qualify for Flavor 3, the student must attend an eligible educational institution and the loan must fund only qualified educational expenses. The court then summarized by saying, the dense language of these three categories of educational debt that cannot be discharged in bankruptcy are loans and benefit overpayments backed by the government or a nonprofit, obligations to repay funds received as an educational benefit scholarship or stipend where the, the uh, person who gets the loan uh, reneges on his part of the deal or a qualified private student loan. The court analyzed everything and it came to the conclusion that um, the debtor's loan was not any one of those three categories. It was not because it was not a loan or benefit for the overpayment of a loan guaranteed by the government because the loan didn't come from a government entity or nonprofit and it wasn't backed by one. It came from this Sally Mae Navient, which is a privately held company. Nor was the obligation to repay funds received for an educational benefit, scholarship, or stipend, such as an unfulfilled obligation to stay in the service for a number of years in the military or to work in some kind of public health unit, such as the medical corps or the legal corps. Um, Mr. Hamadian didn't agree to that. And thirdly, the qualified private educational loan, it was not because it was paid direct, it wasn't paid directly to the, the college, which is one of the requirements, but instead it was paid directly into Mr. Hamadian's unrestricted bank account. As such, the Second Circuit, like the bankruptcy court below, found against Navient, and it, it determined that it the loan was not non-dischargeable and likely that Navient had violated, this is Selwyn talking here, because Navient went after uh, the debtor for a loan that had been discharged, he, Navient likely violated the post-discharge injunction. Uh, you can't come after a debtor after they get their discharge and that's likely going to be uh, decided in the case when it goes back to bankruptcy court. Now just so you know, Notwithstanding the high bar to obtain a discharge in a bankruptcy court under the Bruner test, I have been able to get a creditor to release uh, one of my clients from his obligation to pay his student loan debt because of his inability to pay it and have a decent standard of living, which is you know one of the requirements for making muster pass the Bruner test. But I got to tell you, having had my client been able to just write off or not have to deal with this at all and, and suffer the slings and arrows of having to have a lawsuit against his, uh, the lender, it would have been easier for my client and would have been easier for me. I enjoyed it because it was stimulating to, to whip uh, that lender's behind, as it were. However, uh, it would have been much easier to just have had that private part of my uh, client's student loan debt swept away in the first instance. 
but I want you to know there might be an opportunity out there for those of you listening to me right now with private student loan debt. I advise you to consult with a knowledgeable bankruptcy attorney if there is such a problem, and I know there is for a lot of you out there. So we're going to leave it there for now, but as always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including the laws dealing with our ability to both educate ourselves, our children, and our grandchildren, and still be able to afford to live a decent life. Uh, so in the meantime, please, please get vaccinated. This new strain does not make a difference. It does not care. It is a living organism that wants to breed and spread. We need to do all that we can to use the intelligence that God gave us to know that there really is a menace out there that's parading itself as the various forms of COVID-19. So I urge you, get vaccinated. And even when you do, because it's not foolproof, you need to continue to mask up, keep your social distance, wash your hands so we can all protect our children and our grandchildren and those who have uh, issues that allow them or cause them not to be able to be vaccinated. That's what Christians do. So till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.